0: Okay. First John chapter 5. All the way into chapter 5. Let's see. Sean, do you want to open us in prayer tonight? No. Men, All right. First John chapter five, start right in verse one. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. And again, going back into everything that we've looked at in chapter four, dealing with love and it being one of the key signs of somebody who's born of God, Is that natural love that they have, well, no, that supernatural love that they have for the brethren and for people in general. It's just, it just flows out of you. And as Christ loved us and died for us while we were unlovable, and truly we still are unlovable, uh, we ought to love those who are unlovable as well. And just like, you know, as we've talked about before, as we go into uh, the world and, and you see the crowds, either at, you know, a large supermarket or just in in public in general you know do you look on the multitudes with compassion or contempt you know uh, those are the those are the things that you want to be examining in your life but he clearly says here whosoever believeth that jesus is the christ that eth is very very critical again every time that you see this belief that is not a vain belief it's not uh it's not void of fruit it's not void of of proof it just is, it's that thing that continually is there. It, it, that ETH fills all the tenses, but here we can see it's a clear distinction that it is one that has believed and continues to believe. It's not that I believed, but I don't believe that anymore. Um, I was talking with someone, oh boy, I can't even remember who it was we were talking to the other day. And uh, they were saying that the person that they, oh, I remember who it was now. Uh, they were saying that the the person that they had been with, their boyfriend, you know, uh, claimed to be a Christian and, and claimed to love God and everything, but hadn't been to church in quite a while. And Well, three months into the relationship, uh, come to find out he doesn't believe those things anymore. And that's not somebody who's born of God. And That's not somebody who has been converted to Christ whose mind has been changed, whose heart has been purified by faith, somebody who's passed from death unto life, everything that we've examined it, that takes place at the moment of salvation that that sanctifying that initial sanctifying and setting apart from the world all of that you don't just one day decide no I don't believe that anymore. it, it becomes a, just as much a part of you as your DNA is a part of you. It's what makes you, you. And uh, as we get on into verse four, we'll see more along the lines of what that entails. But whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And so that is another mark, is that that belief that Jesus is that Christ, the that anointed one, the Messiah, that one that is to come, that prophet that was going to come and speak for the words of, uh, speak every single word of God. And, and we see in in uh, the book of John, where Jesus clearly says that all that my father hath given me, I have spoken. And, and all those words, they, they are spirit, they are life. And everything that he, that he said about his very words, the very fact that those words, John 12, 48 says that they are going to judge us one day, the words that he spoke. And so that very fact shows that he is the Christ This book, the entirety of it, the entire volume of it bears record that Jesus is the Christ. There are many who would take and rest the scriptures, uh, many who would take and pervert the scriptures. Uh, I know the the New World Translation that Jehovah's Witness use uh, does a very good job of stripping 99% of the deity from Jesus Christ. They missed it in one verse. They missed it in uh, John 520. Look, Look at it there. Uh, and we know that the Son of God is come, and it, it hath given us an understanding. And, and, of course, they changed that to has come, okay? They, they put that back uh, in, in the pr- uh, past tense, which, again, you go over here, every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, okay? So the spirit that led the writing of the New World Translation was not of God. It was, there was nothing holy about it. It is perverse. It is unholy, Okay? Because it does not confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. All right, but continuing on here, uh, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and that we are in him that is true, even in his son Jesus Christ. And then it says this this is the true God and eternal life. They change that to saying and everlasting life. Okay, that New World Translation says everlasting life there. But their Bible says that Jesus Christ is the true God. And I confronted some Jehovah's witness one time. Uh, I can't remember uh, who I, I told us. And have, have I ex- explained this at the uh, maybe one time? Okay. Well, I'll say it again in case somebody else didn't hear it. Not, not, not boasting on anything, but just saying, this is, this is something that needs to be reconciled within the heart of a Jehovah's witness. Maybe there's somebody listening that, that is, has been caught up in that thing. And, in the New World Translation, I went up to these these uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and I, I asked them, I said, Jehovah is the true God, correct? And they said, absolutely, yes, 100%. You know, Jehovah is the true God. I said, okay, do you have a New World Translation? And they they pulled one out. They had one in the car, but they also, uh, they had their little cart there and they unwrapped one. And I said, can you turn to First John 5.20? And I had them read it to me. And I said, your Bible says that Jesus Christ is the true God. And you just proclaimed that Jehovah is the true God. Your Bible says Jesus Christ is Jehovah. And they said, well, the Bible also says it's the son of Jehovah. And I said, I'm not contending that. He, he is the son of Jehovah. He is the son of God, but he is Jehovah God. And I said, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you, but that's literally what your Bible says right there in that spot. And I said, you just have to reconcile that in your own heart and mind that your Bible says Jesus Christ is Jehovah God. And then, you know, I I parted ways with him. But it's those things that it's a little out of the way. It's not where you'd normally look to contend with a Jehovah's Witness over their doctrine, but that's one place. And I believe it was Pastor Asquith that showed me that. It's one place where the Bible, their New World Translation missed it. They, They forgot to take that part out. when they they translated that whole thing. Um, Now, let's see. We got to get back over in the beginning of 1 John, chapter 5. Okay, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And then again, it says, and everyone that loveth him that begat. So who is he that begat? Who's the one that begat? All those who are born of God. God himself, that's right. God is the one that begat. Okay, so everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. All right, so if we say we love God, but we hate our brother, we're a liar. John already told us that earlier on in earlier chapters. Okay, this is this is the things that you yourself have to reconcile in your own life, just as those Jehovah's Witnesses have to reconcile that thing in their Bible, which that, that Bible is is not a Bible, it's, it's a perversion. Uh, calling, you know, uh, where is it? John 1, one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and they have, and the word was a God, with a lowercase g. Okay? No manuscript evidence whatsoever to support that, but it fits their doctrine. Okay? And so, you know, the same thing plays here, though. If you don't have love, you've got to reconcile that. Because the Bible says that if somebody is born of God, they are going to love. And there's, it's going to be a supernatural love. It's going to be something that just flows out of you. Okay. Is it a hundred percent, you know, full bore all the time? Well, that's what God intends. Your flesh and your carnal mind can get in the way. But if you have hatred for your brother, you're not born of God. That's what the Bible says. Okay. That is, that is what it says. Um, Let's look at chapter 2, verse 22. I've got a couple of cross-references dealing with this, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 22. uh, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Okay, so that Jesus-only movement, this verse right here cancels that whole thing right out. The Jesus only movement is the idea. It's also known as the oneness Um, mentioned a couple of times in dealing. I think I did when, when we dealt with this verse before, but that, that thing is that there is only Jesus that he fulfills the role of father, that he fulfills the role of of as Holy ghost, but it's only Jesus fulfilling all three. Okay. This verse totally cancels that doctrine out. It, It cannot be because of this verse and many other places that you can see. In the Garden of Gethsemane, there's clearly two different wills there. Not, uh, not my will, but th- let thine be done, he said. Okay? And so was Jesus in sin because his will was against the Father? No. But his will was that it could be done another way. But the Father's will but it was that it was going to be done this way. All right? And he was obedient unto his Father. Okay? And that's where this whole thing of, you know, you teenagers in here um, and almost teenagers, just because your will goes against your parents doesn't make you automatically rebellious. But your attitude towards your parents' will, that's where the rebellion seeds are planted. Okay? They may have this thing that they are desiring you to do, and you may not want to do that at all, cleaning the cat box. Emptying the garbage, you know, doing the dishes, doing your homework, whatever it is. Your responsibility before God is to honor thy father and thy mother. Okay, And you can do that even though your will goes against theirs. Because we saw Jesus Christ did that. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. All right? So he was obedient even unto death. All right. And so, you know, consider those things as well. Uh, look at chapter four, verse three. We're going to see this, this verse again, when we look at, at uh, verse four in chapter five, but first uh, John four, three, it says, every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And that, that present tense is come in the flesh is so vitally important because as we've examined The multitude of other Bible versions that are out there change that to the past tense. Has come in the flesh, was come in the flesh, did come in the flesh, came in the flesh, okay? But that opens the possibility, if that were the case, if he came in the flesh, that opens the possibility that it was, as the Jehovah's Witness preach, just a spiritual resurrection, that he did not physically resurrect from the dead, right? In which case, his body would still be in a grave somewhere on this earth. But it is not. He is in his physical body that he walked this earth with, seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. All right? That is where the body of Jesus Christ is. And turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Whenever we look at this this thing, we got to look at Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> uh, Ephesians 2.4 four. Says this, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up, past tense, hath raised us up together. Who? Who did he raise up together? Christ and me. Okay? Christ died. I died because Christ died my death. Christ's soul went to my spot in that lowest part of hell that I deserved. That's where it was. His cry went unto his father and by the cleanness of his own hands, his father raised him up out of that. And then he crossed over. He was drawn up out of that thing and, and entered into Abraham's bosom before 6 p.m. or sundown at least, before that night, so that this day... Thou shalt be with me in paradise. He was with that thief in paradise that day. Okay? He wasn't dead in hell uh, for three days and three nights, as Stephen Anderson will erroneously preach. No, no. I mean, how long would it take for an eternity of sin to be paid for and for that burnt offering to be acknowledged and for all of this to take place? Jonah chapter 2 says that he was beneath the bars of the mountains forever. And so in that amount of time, three hours, two hours, even if it was just one minute, Jesus Christ took your eternity in hell in that amount of time. Because it says forever. All right. And then he was brought up out of that. But he died. We died. He raised from the dead. We raised from the dead. Okay. Spiritually speaking, that is already finished. All right? We just need to believe it in order for our own spirit and soul to be regenerated. Keep in mind that that wasn't just a mere man that went to hell for whatever length like, of time. Right. Right, exactly. It was the Son of God. And so all of those things were possible there. But he says, It hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right, so Jesus Christ is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father in his physical body. And when we are born again, we are spiritually placed into that body in heaven. This says we are in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Okay, that's not talking of positionally. That's how it's usually, you know, alliterated out of these verses. That is speaking of the very location. Yeah. This this is a little off, off topic, but okay. this is just absolutely astounding to me. The ones that were in hell at the Right. I just can't imagine what was going through their head. Yep. You ha. know, because obviously, in the judgment, they had an "oh crap, I messed up" moment, and then to see God Himself mm-hmm. in the bowels of hell, right, paying for sin. I, I just can't imagine what was going through their. Yeah. Well, they were gnashing on him with their teeth there was weeping and wailing and torments. As they are falling, as he is falling, as he is tormented in that flame, I guarantee he passed by that rich man who was begging for a drop of water to cool his tongue. And then, as he was placed in Abraham's bosom, his cup runneth over. And he saw Lazarus. It's just good stuff. Um, I, I, I've got Jonah chapter two in my head. Let's turn there. Um, I don't. I don't know why we need to turn there, but we're going to. Uh, so find Jonah chapter two. It's in the Minor Prophets. For my Bible, it's page eleven fifty. Some of you have the same layout as my Bible, so there you have it. Let's, let's look at Jonah chapter 2. In light of, of this being messianic, messianic prophecy, Okay, Jesus Christ said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. And so, where is he in Jonah? Well, he's in chapter 2. And I believe if you can, if you can look at this thing, let's, let's look at this. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly and said... And then then understand this. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Now, this is, there's a couple things going on here. Jonah is right at the moment in the belly of the whale. He is in the fish's belly underwater. Is Jonah in hell? No. Second thing, he is at present as he's speaking this in the belly of the whale. Why is he speaking past tense? Why is he speaking in the past tense? Why isn't he speaking in the present tense? I'm crying unto, I cry, you know, present tense. No, I cried. He is prophesying of what is to come. Now you say, okay, well, that should be future tense, right? No, he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Get your finite mind wrapped around that for a second. Okay, let's keep reading. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Thence I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. These are, these are things that I am and I will. When you find, especially through the Messianic Psalms, you'll find when the, the psalmist is crying out, you'll see his cry, you'll see his, um, his travail, you'll see the soul mentioned. Okay, uh, one thing that you'll find is where that is and you see an I am, there's an I will connected with it. Okay, it's another indicator of, of Messianic prophecy. Verse 5, the waters come past me about even to the soul. And there it is. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. Now, hold on. I thought he was in the ocean, well, Mediterranean Sea. It was in the Mediterranean Sea in the belly of a whale. Where do these mountains come from? It says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. This is not Jonah speaking. This is the spirit of Jesus Christ prophesying of what is to come. Through Jonah. Well, you see, we know that, uh, I can't remember which psalm it is, but it says that he drew me out of many waters. Okay. There are, and science geologists have proven this, especially as of late, that there are literally oceans of water underneath the earth. Okay. there are There are many, many waters. When that rich man and Lazarus Yes, exactly. Lazarus and that rich man, and, and Abraham was there. Abraham and, and that rich man were speaking. And Abraham tells him, you know, nobody can come here from where you're at, and we can't go over there from where we are at. He says, and besides all this, there is a great gulf fixed. Well, what do we know that it's a gulf? It could be a, a vast expanse. But we think of the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. Um, the Persian Gulf it's a vast body of water, okay, and so these waters are pictured in that okay um that's the best that's the best understanding that I have of it. Does that make sense and so can continue on looking at this now, the weeds wrapped about his head, I still don't have a clear understanding on that unless it's it's again picturing the the thorns. And the curse on the earth, that's that's where I would put that, that crown of thorns that he has on his head. Does that make sense, two girls? Yeah? Okay. Oh, uh, let's see. Her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Now his holy one saw no corruption. His body saw no corruption. So what 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 was brought up from corruption then? His soul. His soul was brought up from the corruption of hell. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And this makes me think of Lamentations 3. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Okay, right? And going on. That's Lamentations 3, right? No, that isn't. Where is that? Okay, it's one of the Psalms. Goodness. I, was, I wasn't prepared to go in this route for, for this type of thing. This is, this is kind of off the cuff tonight. Um, and my cuffs are all rolled up all the time. So we're getting what we're getting tonight. When my soul fainted within me. I remember the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, Jonah prophesying by the spirit of Christ according to first 1 Peter 1.11. and if we need to we can look at that one he's prophesying of Jesus Christ of the sufferings and the glory that should follow and when he says salvation is of the Lord it says in verse 10 the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry the, the dry land and for those of you who in here who are lost who are seeking this great God of Israel, Desiring to know him, desiring to have him on the inward parts, to be born of him. Understand that salvation is of the Lord. And when you believe that, you'll be born of God. That is what God is looking for. He's not going to take your vain belief. He's not going to accept your belief as as far as, well, yeah, I believe that. I, I guess I could believe that, but there's still just, I don't know. A whale, a very good friend of our family, James Stefanik, lives up in Massachusetts, been steeped in Catholicism his whole entire life, even spent some time studying at a monastery. And I had a discussion with him one time about the Bible, and he said that his priest teaches, he says that the, the priest says that he teaches through the Bible uh, each year, basically. Every year they go through the entire Bible. That's what he says. He doesn't ever open a Bible. He, I don't know if he even has a Bible, probably the one with the big pictures and it sits on the coffee table. But as we were talking about the Bible, he says, well, ah, some of that's just the stories, though. It's like, I, there's no way I can actually believe that Jonah lived inside of a whale for three days. That didn't happen. He doesn't believe. He does not believe. And because of that, he is damned because of his unbelief and it, it is very heartbreaking because the conversation it, it couldn't go any further with him. I, I couldn't I couldn't persuade him and it, it broke my heart. but there's Jonah chapter 2 for whatever reason we needed to drop into that tonight and there we are. So back into first John 5 yes? Psalm 20 can you read it to me to us I, have it unless I have believed to see the of the Lord in the world. Yes And that that again he is he that is the faith of Christ That is that saving faith that he gives to all them that believe That belief that his soul would not be left in hell that his holy one would not see corruption And that he would walk again before the Lord in the land of the living. That faith of the resurrection, that belief of the resurrection power of God. It is that faith that is that gift in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that faith, not of yourselves. It, that faith, is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? And, uh... Galatians chapter 2 after we're done with first John we're going to be dropping into Galatians okay and we're going to work our way through Galatians, Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians as far as I know okay that's going to be our, our upcoming years more than likely. Um, I'm in no hurry to get through this stuff. I just want to, I want to sift it as we go all right um, And the, the, again remembering the, the main purpose of this here is for understanding. It, it, isn't, it isn't just another service that we have just to have church on Thursday night. This is so you can understand. Okay, So we're, we're taking these verses and teaching them doctrinally. What is this actually saying about God? What is this actually saying about Jesus Christ? What does the word of God actually say in context? Okay? And far too often these verses, and when, there are times when we fall on a verse that's so familiar and has been preached so many times, but it's like, oh, wait a minute. That context has nothing to do with the way that it's normally preached, and that that's that should be a red flag. Why is that? Well, because it, it preaches good, it gets a really good invitation at the end, you know. Um, but at any rate, uh, so that's uh, Galatians two speaks of the faith of Christ, um, and that that faith is that he would walk again before the Lord in the land of the living, and that's that saving faith that he gives to everyone that believes. Uh, Romans. No. It's either Romans 3 or Galatians 3. Boy, I haven't looked at that in a a quick minute. Hold on. No, it is Galatians 3. Hold on. Bear with me. Yeah, Galatians 3.22. But the scripture has concluded all under, under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. That promise of the resurrection, that promise of saving faith, that promise of being born of God is given to them that believe. And it's by faith of Christ. It's faith that comes from Christ. It's his own faith that he exercised and he tried it out and it worked. Don't try to drum up your own faith because then it's of works. It's something you've worked up. How do you work up enough faith to be saved? You can't. You have to believe it's entirely on him. That's where it rests. And when it's settled, it's settled. And so, back into 1 John. All right. Uh, verse 2. By this, all right, the, you know, everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also, that he, uh, is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. All right. What are the, what, what, on what two commandments hang all the law and the prophets? What did Jesus say? What two commandments was that? You remember? Love God, and love your neighbors. Yep. I'll take that. That's a, that's a, a thinned down version of it. But yeah, love God, love your neighbors, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy strength the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Which is interesting that the law and the prophets are the two witnesses that bear witness that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And all those two hang on loving God and loving your neighbor. How is it that they hang on it? Well, this verse right here. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's what hangs on the whole thing. Your eternity. Okay? If you don't love God and you don't love the brethren, you don't love your neighbor as yourself, you're not born of God. That whole thing is hanging on that. Verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. It's not a grief to those who are born of God to find a commandment from God. When you find a commandment in the word of God, it is it is almost a joyous thing because here you find another way that you can live out your obedience to your Lord and master to your God. The one who wrought salvation within you, you are now able to live even more nigh unto him. Especially when it, when it comes in preaching. I've talked with many of you how you've been sitting and preaching the Lord has shown you this or, or clearly pointed that thing out or, or shined a light in that corner of your heart and said this or said that. And, and uh, I, remember, I remember one person came to me one time and said the Lord clearly showed them uh, that they had not been honoring their mother. And there was a great, a great hindrance in their life. There was a great grief in their life until they were shown that very thing. And at that point... Good memories of their mother were unlocked. Things that they had long forgotten were unlocked. God did that. Why? Because God shined the light in the corner of their heart where there was disobedience. They responded correctly. They agreed with God on it. They confessed that thing. I believe you're right on that, God. I have not honored my mother. At that very instant, what happens if we confess our sins and what, what, what is that? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The bad memories fade and good memories come back that were forgotten. And that's how God works. And that's how the stirring of the heart during preaching is supposed to work. It's more than just coming in and being entertained for a half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour if I'm preaching. And it's just, you know, you come in, you sit there, that's a great sermon, great outline. Wonderful! Oh, that was a funny joke he put there in the middle. You know, oh, what a what a great uh, sermon! You know, uh, a mighty sermon you got there, preacher, Andy Griffith. And then you go on your day. That's not what preaching is supposed to be. Preaching can be rather sporadic. Okay, we saw sporadic preaching uh, uh, Sunday night. God wrought a great work during that. It, It there was no. There was, the word of God was preached, the word of God was quoted, but the Bible was never opened and said, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. What happened? The Holy Ghost moved in, and he led the preacher to preach, and hearts were stirred, okay? That's what happened, that's that's the way it's supposed to be, but that's, that's a little too messy for the church in America most of the time. We like our our structure, you know, like we like our neat and orderly things. And I I really believe that the uh, the 11th commandment to most Baptists is let all things be done decently and in order. But tongue in cheek, of course, I'm not making light of the word of God at all. Let all things be done decently and in order. But don't hinder the Holy Ghost when he wants to mess everything up. Okay. Grieve not the spirit of God. All right. But the commandments of God uh, they're not grievous. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. There's a there's a a definition of the love of God. The love of God is manifested it's it's defined when we keep his commandments. We who are rebels, we who are rebels against a holy God who have No concern whatsoever. We who don't care, you know, we've got our hearts are just full of iniquity. We don't care if it's a law of God, if it's a law of man, if it goes against what I think is right, I'm not going to do it. The love of God manifested in us, in order and, and so much so that it is defined this way, is that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. It's not a grievous thing to find a commandment of God. When God manifests his love in you by you keeping his commandments, it's a beautiful thing. You know, there, there is nothing better than walking step in step with the almighty God. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Those lusts of the flesh are, are wrought in you when your mind and your heart and the imaginations of your heart are pondering things and meditating on things other than the things of God. That's why in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it speaks of, you know, uh, let's turn there, let's turn there. Again, wasn't planning on this, so it might take me a couple of seconds to find exactly where I'm looking for, but Deuteronomy 6. Oh my, look at this. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. This is good. Deuteronomy 6.4. Just just so happened to quote this verse a little bit ago, just by happenstance. All right. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Now, what is it that they were to teach them diligently? It was the words... Of God, Not the word of God in general, but the very words of God, the individual words to teach them diligently to their children, to keep them in their own hearts, all singular here, thy, thine, to keep them in their hearts and to teach them diligently to their children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. How did you do with that this last week? Did you talk about the word of God in your house? Some of you have children who are up and out of the house. You don't have children at home anymore. Some of you have grandchildren at home. Some of you have great-grandchildren at home. Some of you still have children at home. Some of you are widows and live alone. But did you talk about the word of God in your house? Did you speak of it? Did did it it come out in conversation as just part of what... You you just can't wait to talk about this thing that you found, that that God showed you here talking about the words of God. I shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way. Now, we, we do a lot more than walking today. We drive everywhere we go, okay? But do you talk about these things when you're in your car, when you're walking at work, when you are, you know, walking to the bank or doing what, do you talk about the word of God? And when thou liest down and when thou risest up, is that the last thing you talk about in the day? This is the first thing you talk about in the day. This is what Israel was commanded to do. Now, you remember, his commandments are not grievous. Now, you can't say, you cannot say, this is for Israel and not for us. You can't do it. Do you know why you can't do it? Two reasons. One, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. How do you pick and choose what is for you and what is it? There are some things that were written directly to Israel. But because of Galatians chapter 3, we are heirs according to promise because of Abraham, because of Jesus Christ. All right? You get right there at the end of Galatians. I'll I'll read it. You just stay right there. Galatians 3. It says, uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Because of Jesus Christ, we are heirs according to that promise that Abraham got. So those spiritual promises, the Jews have the land. That is what they will have. They have all the spiritual promises as well. But we are grafted in. We have been grafted into that vine because of that. The root and the stem of Jesse and the promises that all pertain to Jesus Christ all the way up through and all the way through the scriptures, those promises, those spiritual promises belong to us as do the spiritual commandments. These are spiritual. These words are spirit and they are life. That's the first reason that you can't discount this. Second reason is because verse 5 is quoted in the New Testament and Jesus is commanding us these things, okay? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Okay? So, you know, just taking those two things there. But all these words, the very words, it says, Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. The words of God ought to be permeating your life everywhere in every way possible. Every single way that you can possibly think the word of God ought to be in your life. I'm not a proponent of tattooing scripture on your arms. Jesus Christ never did that. Okay? Paul the Apostle never once tattooed John 3.16 on his arm to show people I'm a Christian. He didn't do that. And he was even with some barbarous people. Okay? Just, Just pointing that out. Okay? Um... Yeah, this is the importance of the words of God. You're going to be judged by them someday. And they ought to permeate every aspect of your life. When they do, you will be walking in the spirit. Why? Because the imaginations of your heart are not going to be evil continually anymore. You'll be meditating on the word of God. And if your heart is meditating on the word of God, you won't have time for bitterness. You won't have time for wrath. You won't have time for clamor. You won't have time for backbiting. You won't have time for gossip. You won't have time for cursing. You won't have time for perversion because the word of God is just a part of you. Like I said, just as much as, as the faith of Jesus Christ becomes a part of you, just as much as your DNA makes you up, that's what you become when you are born of God. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him. God's seed remaineth in you. You become, you are born, literally born of God. On the inward parts your spiritual DNA if you could take a sample of that it would look exactly like Jesus Christ how do you lose that or give that back can you separate your DNA out no just uh, there, there there, again another, another way that you can prove that you can't lose that once you have it the problem is is Salvation today has been watered down and narrowed down so much. People think they have it, and then when they realize they don't have it, or maybe they don't want it anymore, uh, they never had it in the first place. And then people will say, "Oh, well, they lost their salvation," you know, or they get into some gross sin, and all oh, no, they lost their salvation on that one. Yeah. No, it doesn't work like that. But his commandments are not grievous. All right, verse four. Let's continue on. Uh, one John five four. Any comments on that? I'm going to steal a drink of my wife's water. Any comments on that while I do that? Just want to make a note. I love your shirt. The ketchup bottle. It's perfect. I love ketchup. I love ketchup on ketchup. Brother McVeigh brought us some spicy ketchup. Oh, you. you I'll, I'll keep it then. It's that's, that's good. Mm. Okay, back into this. Verse 4, and we see these recurring themes throughout, okay? Have you, have you found the main theme of 1 John themes, okay? Love, being a proof of salvation. Um, there is a definite way to tell when somebody's lost and when somebody is born of God, okay? Uh, when you examine yourself with those things, what does it look like? Another thing that we see continually is this whatsoever or whosoever. Okay? And there's a difference between what and who. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But let's look at this. Verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, doctrine, I'm going to show you what this, what this verse is saying here. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. That doesn't say whosoever. If it was whosoever, that would be saying that we are born of God and we overcome the world. Okay? That's not a bad doctrine, but that's not at all what this is saying. Okay? Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And then he defines what that is that is born of God. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. All right, so whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith is born of God. How about that? This verse is one of the clearest ones that I've found, and this thing just came right together this week as I was studying for this thing, that our faith is born of God. It is that gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Again, just just solidifying that, that piece that, wow, I don't need to work up the faith. It's his faith. It's born in me. It's that measure of faith that God hath dealt to every man, as Paul said. And it's a beautiful thing when you really look at it. But let's look at this. Go to 1 John 3, 9. Now this is different. This says, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, is that talking of what is born of God or who is born of God? Who? Exactly. So that person on the inward parts, that new creation that is born of God in you by that faith, which is born in you, okay, doth not commit sin. This is that eternal redemption that is spoken of, that the blood of Jesus Christ bought. Eternal redemption, having no beginning, having no end. Eternity past, eternity future justified. Meaning, when God looks to the beginning, he sees no sin. When he looks to the future, he sees no sin. Why? Because whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Beyond that, it even goes to show that the blood of Jesus Christ was enough for those Old Testament saints, eternally into the past, and for the New Testament saints, eternally into the future till that very last soul is born. Okay? Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Again, for his seed remaineth in him. Again, study that seed out. Look up everywhere that word seed is in the Bible. Again, you'll find a couple of different ways it's used. It'll be the seed of the ground. It can be the seed of his copulation. It can be the seed meaning generationally. Okay, But there are places where it is clearly shown that this seed, the seed of Abraham going on down through, it's the lineage all the way up to and including Jesus Christ. And it is that seed spoken of in Genesis chapter 3, that seed of the woman, that God put enmity between the, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And that enmity was manifested when the Pharisees and the Jews, excuse me, the Jews uh, slew Christ. Now the Romans are the ones that crucified him, but God put it on their account. Okay. And they even said, You're trying to bring the blood of this man upon our heads. And that's what the Holy Ghost of God has been trying to do for two thousand years and beyond to bring the blood of Christ upon the heads of lost sinners to show you that you are guilty of that blood. That is your fault. Jesus died because of you. You are the reason. You are the one that killed him. You are the one that slayed him, that slew him, slew him. But his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Okay? Again, coming back into, into uh first John five four. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now in this we can look at a couple of different things. Uh, I would like to turn to first Corinthians two twelve. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. First Corinthians chapter two and verse twelve. It says this, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now, a couple of things in this verse, it's very interesting. Those are lowercase s spirits. What spirit of God is this speaking of then? It's Jesus Christ. Again, speaking of that seed, which remaineth in him, okay? What we saw there in, in verse John 3, 9. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world. That's what God said in your heart. Uh, Ecclesiastes two ten and 11 speak to that end, that God set the world in their heart. He put that spirit in the world in their heart so that they would be an entity with him, okay? Rebelled against God, that spirit of the world is set in their heart. And it is that spirit of antichrist that is already in the world. Okay? It's, that, it's that whole thing working together. But it says, but we have the spirit, lowercase that spirit, which is of God. Again, pointing to Jesus Christ. And that, that whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, even our faith. It is that spirit of Christ. That is that faith of Christ. It's, it's all connected. Um that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Again, pointing to 1 John 2.20, where it says this, "But but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. That unction is that anointing on the inward parts. It's not just an anointing. An anointing is always on the outside. Things are anointed on the outside. This is the only place in the King James Bible where the word unction is used. And it's used specifically to show an inner anointing. right, it's an anointing that remaineth in you. And it comes from the Holy One of God, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One, Jesus Christ, whose spirit is signified, it's a lowercase s, spirit, in in 1 Corinthians 2, 12. And it is again pointing to this thing that it is the faith that is born of God in us, the faith of Jesus Christ. Okay, the whole thing that we're seeing tonight is that it is all Jesus Christ. It's all up to him. Goodness, it's a little bit more than just, well, did you ask Jesus into your heart? Do you need to understand all of this to be born of God? No. I don't think so. But some of you do. Because you've been holding so fast to a profession that you can't see past that. And God has been trying to prove to you throughout this entire book this is what it looks like when somebody's born of God. You do not look like this. And then showing you again whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Our faith is born of God. Well, I placed my faith and trust in Jesus. Again, you're not going to find a verse in the Bible that says to do that. There's not one in the Bible that says to do that. I'm working on formulating another trifold. Things that we say are in the Bible that just aren't so. One of them is just place your faith and trust in Jesus. Ask Jesus into your heart as a means of being saved. It's not in the Bible. One, two, three, pray after me. You know, not in the Bible. So how are we born of God? It's all on God. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You've got to receive him before he can give you the, give you the power to become the son of God. What is that power to become the son of God? It's the faith of Jesus Christ. How do you receive him? Well, you receive a love of the truth. It even says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that, that God is going to see to it that those ones that are alive during that time period wherein the rapture is going to happen. Let's just say the rapture happens tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. You've sat in church your whole life and you either thought you were saved or knew you're not saved and figured you'd do it someday, Whatever. God is going to see to it that you are damned, that you'll believe a lie because you would not receive a love of the truth. And brother, as brother McVeigh said this weekend, I think it was either brother McVeigh or pastor Asper, I can't remember who. Um, if you won't believe God, He's got a lie prepared for you. He's got one ready for you. He had that uh, lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets of Ahab. He said, how, "How how am I going to get make sure that Ahab dies in battle? How is he going to fall?" And there was a spirit that came forth and said, I'll do it. He says, how are you going to do it? He said, well, I'll be a lying spirit in in the mouth of all of his prophets. He says, go. There was a lie prepared for him. And if you're here and you're refusing to believe God, and that's ultimately what it is, you refuse to believe. There's something in there that you're refusing to believe. It's not that you can't believe. But you're refusing to believe. And Christ comes. He's going to see to it that you're damned. That you believe a lie. What is that lie? I don't know. But I guarantee you, you'll believe it. Oh, let's see. You yeah, let's, let's go back into First John of 5. Got a couple more minutes here. Verse 4 again. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. All right, so that spirit of the world is overcome by the spirit of God, by the faith of Jesus Christ, by that unction on the inward parts, and therefore we know all things. And it's that same thing that was spoken of and said. In uh, 1 Corinthians two twelve, and so now we see this now is the faith of Christ in chapter four verses two and three. Look at this. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Whose, whose spirit do you think that could be? Confessing within you that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, you think it could maybe be His own spirit by the faith of Jesus Christ. Within you, just as he, uh, I'll, I've quoted it a couple of times, so I'll read it to you now. First uh, 1 Peter 1.11, uh, this is speaking of those prophets uh, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. That's how those messianic prophecies worked. It was the spirit of Christ in them testifying of those things that were to come. And the same thing happens within you. And even in Romans 8, 16, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the child of God. Now, what spirit is that? I, I believe it's, it's the entirety of the Godhead, that spirit of God that they all make up. And okay, they each individually have their own spirit. And then they also have one that makes them one. Okay, and it's that spirit of God. And I believe what, that's what that Holy Spirit, capital H, capital S, is in uh, Luke eleven thirteen. 13. Where it says that uh, if you be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Okay, that's the only place where it's capital H, capital S. And I th- believe it's signifying there the entirety of the Godhead, that, that Holy Spirit that encompasses the entire Trinity. Okay? Again, Trinity is not in the Bible, so I like to use Godhead. But First um, John uh, 4 2. Uh, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Where have you heard that it should come? And even now already is it in the world. All right, when we went through chapter 4, we saw that, you know, uh, you've overcome the world and, and all of this and, and linking that in with that spirit of Antichrist. And again, he's speaking of that very same thing the faith of Jesus Christ overcomes that spirit of Antichrist. It's, it's what overcomes that? It's got to be of God. You can't overcome that thing of your own self. That spirit of Antichrist is everything that exalts itself up above and calls itself God. And you want to call yourself God. You want to be God. Why? Because Jesus said, you're of your father the devil and the works of your father or the lusts of your father ye will do. And what was the lust of Satan? I will be like the Most High. That was the lust of him. And so, what is our lust? What did Eve fall for? You'll eat eat this fruit, and you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. So much so that you even see that God uh, referred, and I'm going to preach on this here. I've I've touched on it before. I'm going to preach a full sermon on it sometime here. Um, dealing with lowercase g gods, relating them to devils, but also relating them to judges, okay? Those who will judge between good and evil and how that relates to God and how that relates to us and and everything. It's it's a quite, it's an interesting study. But that spirit of antichrist already is work in the world. Um, And it, it is our faith that overcomes that. And our faith is that whatsoever is born of God. Verse five, and I think we'll end with this. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? And there is that who then. That's linking it to the whosoever will may come. That whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. It's those that believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's not just a, a flippant belief it's not hey, i believe that because my parents believe it or i believe it because the preacher said so no but god himself it wasn't flesh and blood that revealed it to you it was god himself that revealed his son in you and when he does that and you believe him he gives you that repentance and he changes you on the inward parts you're born of god right on that spot and it really is that simple We've tried to make the gospel so simple, but yet we've complicated it. And when it doesn't work, we wonder, well, why didn't that work? And maybe I ought to pray again just to make sure. Again, you don't find that in the Bible. You don't find somebody praying to be born of God anywhere in the Bible anyways. And you certainly don't find them praying again just to make sure that they're born of God. You see that you're to examine yourself. To see if you be in the faith, to uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When those, as we've talked about there, uh, where was it in chapter three, verses nineteen to twenty-one, dealing with, uh, you know, if if our hearts deceive us, God is greater than our heart. But what if what if it's not our heart that's that's or not deceive us? If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. W- what if it's not our heart that is condemning us? How do you tell the difference? Well. You use chapter four, verses two and three to weigh that out. But then you also get in the word of God. Why is there condemnation? What was being preached at the time when you felt condemnation upon you? Is it God stirring something up in your heart, drawing you nigh unto him? Or is it God stirring you and trying to show you you're lost because you don't believe on me? Is he reproving you of sin? He reproves the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because you believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and of judgment, because the prince of this world is cast out. But who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And that is a perfect place to stop, because 6 through 13, are they all have to be one thing. Okay, so that'll be next week. Um, any closing comments on, on anything that we talked about tonight? We, we were kind of all over the place tonight. Uh, anything trigger in your mind, your memory, something you've studied out this week or anything? Yeah. Okay. the spirit in you. Yeah. Yeah, that, that unction on the inward parts, that Holy One was speaking through Job. 1 Peter 1.11 was being played out. Yep, and he did not conceal the words of the Holy One. I've heard that preached many times. That, you know, he always preached the Word of God. Whenever anybody was around, he preached the Word of God, and then that's always just a spur. Make sure you go soul winning. <laughs> but no, he was prophesying of Jesus Christ. Yep, it's good. Anything else before we close up? Well, no, Theron, it's it's good that you joined us tonight. Would you close us in prayer? You know, dear Lord, it's so good to be uh, in the Bible study tonight and uh, be able to open your word. Oh, what privilege that is, to see through the new scriptures. I pray that you would uh, guide each of our thoughts and each of our, our hearts as we meditate on these things. Now, be with the rest of us for the evening, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified in all that you Amen. Amen.